0: Welcome to this episode of Stand Out, the podcast to better your business brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Listen in and you'll walk away with insights from exemplary members who share their business acumen and the newest ideas from authors and thought leaders relevant to the organizing and productivity industry. And now, here's your host, longtime NAPO member, Claire Kumar.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of NAPO's podcast, Standout. I'm your host, Claire Kumar, Productivity Catalyst, and today is going to be really interesting. We're going to explore an organization that's very, in my opinion, complementary to NAPO. It's called NABPO, it's the National Association of Black Professional Organizers. And you know, when I first heard about it, I thought, this is interesting. What's what's this all about? And I was instantly curious to understand more about it. Well, I'm gonna be having with me today, Carolyn Rogers, who's one of the six six founders of NAPO, along with Naima Ford-Goldson, Carolyn, of course, Tiffany Blassingame, Zaymer Hill, Naomi Kialo and Dina Smith. So these six women from Atlanta, banded together and formed NAPO, an organization. And I want to hear from Carolyn. I'll introduce Carolyn in a second, but I want to hear from Carolyn. Why? Why did we need this? What was missing that NAPO had to form? What wonderful gaps is it taking care of? What is it doing to connect with community? There's so much to explore here. And First of all, though, I think it's important right on the website, it talks about NAPO being open. Let's say, what what does it say exactly? It's talking about being an organization for organizers of any background to find community here. Of course, it's NABPO, so it's the National Association of Black Professional Organizers, but you will find a mixed group here. And one of the taglines, raising awareness about the benefits of living an organized life to the community we serve, which is such an important point. So let me now tell you a little bit about why Carolyn Rogers is here, clearly a founding member of NABPO. She's a professional organizer and she's been an organizer for six years. But interestingly, she's also still an electrical and software engineer, writing code and bringing that mindset to her job. She loves brain games and puzzles, and she likens organizing to solving a big puzzle. I'm, I'm wondering if she's a Wordle fan, but maybe we'll get to that. Her first client was her brother since she was 12 years old, and she still organizes him even now, which is pretty cool. So I want to give you a warm welcome, Carolyn Rogers, to stand out. Hi,
0: hi. Glad to be here. Very glad to be here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. I I was, like I said in the intro, I was so immediately curious. And then I started investigating it a little bit. And I thought, you know what, we need to understand and we need to embrace and we need to be really aware of what you're doing and why it came about. So I'm wondering if we could kick off with the question of what inspired the formation of the National Association of Black Professional Organizers?
0: We actually spawned, I don't know if that's a great word to use, but we actually spawned out of a collaboration that the six of us started called Ebony and Orderly.
1: Oh, let's start there. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Let's start with that. Okay. I believe it was Naima. We were all in like one of the Facebook organizing groups and she just sent the shout out. I was like, Hey, I'm in Atlanta. If anybody wants to get together and talk and chat, you know, have brunch or something together. So we all showed up for brunch. <laughs> and just had a good conversation and chatting. And then later on, she said, Well, let's see if maybe there's, you know, maybe there's some working, some collaborating work that we can do together. So from that, we decided to do a few organizing conferences. A few organizing a few conferences. Organizing just, like, conferences. Just, just, just like, let's just throw off a conference. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And basically trying to, you know, not just find clients, but also to make people in our community more aware that organizing is a thing, because I think that people have become more and more comfortable with having cleaners, but not necessarily that there's a difference between cleaning and organizing. So it's just basically something else to show people that, you know, there are other services that you can use to help simplify your life.
1: Yeah. And when you say, Carolyn, when you say our community, what do you mean by when you say our community, geographically, demographically, how do you describe your community?
0: All of the above. (laughs) I think of it as anybody who I touch, anybody who who I can reach. Oftentimes we tend to reach people that look like us For So that that's just the most most common thing. But honestly, I talk about organizing anybody that'll listen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I fail you, sister. So this is Atlanta-based. The six of you come together, you have brunch, you start throwing conferences. Who's coming to your conferences? Well, it was funny.
0: The first few conferences, we were like either former clients, we were targeting people that needed to get organized. But interestingly enough, the last conference that we held right, I believe that right at the big, before COVID landed, I would say it oh, Yeah, before um, times and the right before, before times. <laughs> yeah, we actually attracted a lot of other organizers as well, <laughs> which, was, which was interesting. But basically trying to make the knowledge that professional organizing exists. And occasionally we had a a few people that came to our clients that were interested in starting their own businesses as organizers, but we were more focused on clients at that time, as in, well, I don't want to say clients, more focused on having people see the benefits of getting organized.
1: Yeah. So getting over the hurdle that this isn't for me, this isn't something that I'm entitled to hire for, or it's just not in my my normal thinking. It makes me think of my mom. And. When my, my son was first born, I mean, he was like, he was days or weeks old and she was staying with me in Montreal. And in Montreal, I lived on the side of a hill and it was a mean hill. It was like, it was a serious workout. I lost all my baby weight walking up that hill. And I remember my mom had a hair appointment in the afternoon. She's like, oh, could you drop me down the hill at the the hair salon? But my son is sleeping and out of the realm of her list of services that she could pay for was a taxi (laughs) right it was just not something we had ever used and so she was like she didn't think of a taxi and it made me think of that is it just is it just something that in the community the people that you were touching that it was just
0: not thought of as something like oh yeah i get to do this yeah and that is definitely true and for myself, even, I would say that I didn't know that professional organizing <laughs> I say it was a thing until someone mentioned it. I was like, and she says, oh, you should do that. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was told, too. I
1: first got into organizing somebody in my baby group. Um, this was a couple of years later when my daughter was born. She did a learn how to be an organizer course in Montreal. And she came to the baby group. She probably saw my baby bag. And she said, I think this is for you. <laughs> this is a, I'm not going to do this thing, but I think this is yours. <laughs> right. And that's that's 2005, and that's how yep. that started. So, exactly. yeah. Yeah, so you came across it. It was even out of the realm of your thinking. So there's, there's a learning journey out there. And, I mean, Canada was easily 10 years behind the U.S. Really? And I think what we're hearing here is there's still demographic pockets for different reasons that might not be where... Generally, I mean, if we've seen Marie Kondo on Netflix, maybe we have an idea now, right? But right.
0: Exactly. I think that the shows, Marie Kondo, Home Edit, all those things, they have definitely brought far more awareness to the profession than anybody ever knew.
1: Well, yeah, back in my day, it was Peter Walsh and it was Helen Betagig in Canada doing Neat Freak. This is way back in way back. And now it's Hot Mess House and there's a continuing conversation that are bringing more people to it. So you're playing a role in educating and inviting. It sounds like.
0: Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. So
1: that was Ebony and Orderly. So tell me, how many conferences did you organize? I believe
0: we've done three or maybe four so far. Three or four. I think that COVID definitely slowed us down a bit in the sense of everybody's been extra busy.
1: (laughs) Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know. It's, I feel like my organizing blew up like four times as much, you know, of course I have a limited amount of time since I'm a part-timer, but it's blown up quite a bit. Yeah. I'm getting that
1: sense here in Toronto right now too. I've been trying to source a couple of people to help out former clients and everyone's like, I'm busy y'all. I'm busy. I got a lot going
0: on. I can't fit anybody new in. Right. Since everyone's been home and and they can't escape from their mess. (laughs) So now it's like, I have to do something about it.
1: Oh my gosh. That's a whole other conversation, but yeah, absolutely bang (laughs) on. Right. It's like now people get it why we need help in this area. You know, if you have to live with it all the time, it's a thing.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
1: So let's coming back to Ebony and Orderly then. You got together, you organized, you've organized three, four conferences. What else have you done with that construct of the six of you coming together? And then we'll, we'll talk about NABPO later, but I forgot, you know, sorry, Mike's, my, my bad. Ebony and Orderly was what really hooked me in, but I did find you through NABPO first and then come
0: back to f- discover Ebony and or- Orderly. So what we've kind of morphed into at the moment since everyone's been so busy, because, you know, conferences take a bit to plan you know, work and that everything work. and whatnot, a little bit of work. But we work that all work so well together. We enjoy each other's company. We enjoy each other's drive. And so what we've kind of morphed into at the moment, we'll do conferences again. And <laughs> we'll do like take on speaking engagements and things like that again. Mm-hmm. But since everyone's been so busy, different life changes. Like Naomi, she had two kids in this time period. So well, got- that's efficient, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yay, Naomi. You're right, and Zaymir has a few other projects and whatnot. So everybody's, well, not just Zaymir, everybody's got like lots of projects.
1: And Naima, I know it's got a lot going on because right. we've, we've spoken. I've and I've had Tiffany on the show as well. There's, I mean, yeah, in a school, like there's just you right. know a few projects.
0: Exactly. Not little projects, Two small yeah. projects. Two small there. projects, yeah. One thing I loved about our collaboration is that everyone respected that we were each individual. Like we work together, but we we're still each individual and still supported each other through that. Like I love what <laughs> what everyone else is doing. I love it that they're they're basically making their dreams happen, right? So what we focused on in the last year or so is kind of. Being more supportive of each other's projects, like being supportive of and reminding each other to sit down. We've had a retreat. Was it? It hasn't been a year yet. It hasn't been quite a year yet. We did a, did a retreat. We we're going to plan some things. And what we found was that we were all just really busy and really tired. <laughs> this Was so, this
1: around the period of languishing by any chance? This was April 2021 when languishing. No. I'm, no, no.
0: Languishing. No, it was later. Like it was, it was busy. We were just, we just had it. What we realized is that we were planning to, you know, make all these plans to rule the world. And once we got together, we were like, let's sit and talk.
1: Right. <laughs> oh rest, my let's gosh. Let's rest together.
0: Let's, yes. let's, you know, all of that. So, and that was important. And I think that that's, I, I like it that we're able to shift and still remain connected to each other. In that yes. way. You know,
1: there's a moment right now, I mean, we're spring 2022 when we're recording, this are almost spring 2022. And there's a coming back together, a coming out again, as we're moving, gosh, all the fingers past Omicron and so on. And we need this landing we need this landing and reconnection as humans and navigating how to be together again. And yeah, there's a lot going on there. So yeah, I really get what you're saying in terms of being there for each other as humans first.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And and it was something that we slowly realized that we needed. (laughs) And I I think that was grass. I "I think we should do this all the time. Like at least once a year we should do this.
1: So yeah. 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 So I love that. Just planting a seed for listeners out there that this community of peers who understand what you're about, and it doesn't have to be a task focus that you're coming together, but supporting each other as business owners, as people, as humans with common values. There's a lot to being understood by some fellow humans. My, my next call is actually a mastermind group. So we talk task, but we're also there for the human element too. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, definitely. very cool.
0: Yeah. I can honestly say that it's been that connection that has helped me to continue to move forward in organizing. Like for the longest time, I've always been like the master of, I'm, I'm gonna have a side gig or something else, you know, a second thing going. And it will last for a while, and it. it. but I think that- Six years is a pretty good streak. Six <laughs> years is a great streak. And it's lasted the longest. I'm the most passionate about it. Once I get tired of engineering, I'll continue, (laughs) you know, it's real to me, more real to me than anything else has ever been. And I think that being connected to other people that encourage it, that help, you know, provide ideas, things like that, that is something that has helped me not just so much stay with it, but helped me see different aspects of it that I probably wouldn't have seen before. Mm, It's expansive expanding a little bit yeah and that's kind of what led us to start napco so we wanted like okay this is great other organizers like us would (laughs) would benefit from this but selfishly we wanted ebony and orderly to still just be us (laughs) we still wanted to keep a small group as ebony and orderly so
1: (laughs) yeah i feel the same thing i i have a book club of eight women we have not the biggest living rooms in the world. So we were like, and people wanted to join us all the time. This has been going 13, 14 years now. And I thought, you know what? We we know we're the core eight. We've got something good. And so I said, well, why don't we just have like pub nights or we can have places outside where we invite other people to come that has grown into two websites now about 3,000 wow. people. It, we tried, it tried to almost became a company like Nextdoor, like the, the oh, neighborhood wow. thing. That's mm-hmm. kind of where it was going. But yeah, it came from the, I want to hang on to my book club. My Shout out to my book club girls if you're listening. But hold on to that. But realizing that you know, community and connection on common interests. And also sometimes geography is really powerful because we really need to actually get together. And I don't know, in person, again, it's going to be, you know, a local focus is really kind of important too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true.
1: So Ebony and Orly, and then into NABPO and this creation, realizing that you had this good thing and other people would benefit. So how did NABPO come
0: about then? So it came about, we basically decided to It's like, okay, we want to attract a broader range of people, be able to have a type of support. I feel like there's a certain type of energy that we get from people that have such probably common background, common experiences. I can't say common viewpoints because everybody's still individual and different, but common background, common experiences and whatnot. And NAPO is great and wonderful. I've I've been a NAPO member. I think I joined NAPO probably a couple months after I decided I was going to be an organizer. But it is a large organization, and it is easy to, I want to say, get lost in it, especially if you're a person of color. Person of color someone that's different from the large majority of the group. Because one thing, as we've looked more into, like NAPO has started exploring more diversity programs and things like that. And I think one of the things that came out of that is that it's not just that there's not a lot of African Americans in Naples. There's not a lot of anyone else. <laughs> and it's not on purpose. I always tell people, even before we started Naples, like, organizers are the friendliest group of people I've ever met. Like, they're very, <laughs> very friendly, very not extremely competitive. At least that's not what, at least the Georgia chapter. I have the Georgia chapter rely on them, not competitive, give referrals and things like that all the time. But even with that, it's still very, common and easy for I want to say people of color to fall by the wayside or fall through the cracks it's still a historically I'm going to say historically it's difficult to be the only person in the room or it's difficult to be one of the few in the room
1: 100% girl 100%
0: I had a coworker once tell me we moved into a new building and there were a couple of guys in there that were from a different area or whatever. And they came over to say hi to me. Hey, I'm so-and-so and we're in this other area. And so she, she says, ah, oh, Carolyn's got some fans, like someone's flirting. And that wasn't it at all. It's like, And just trying to really lift, put my finger on it and explain to us, like, well, it's a matter of we have a, in school, in work and everything, we subconsciously find other people that look like us, especially if we're not that common. And I I think it's something that we, most of us automatically do without even thinking about it. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of historical background behind it, but I think it's something that we naturally do.
1: I agree with you. So I'm mixed. My parents were, you know, early in the mixing of things. Actually, so my dad's from India, mom's from England. So I'm like five-eighths Indian, actually, because my mom is one quarter. Because if you look back in her background, her father actually came from parents who were one was Welsh and the other one was a tradesman from Lahore, which was British India back in the day. So in 1903, he was half and half like me. And he was like, that is not cool. He couldn't find himself, you know, and he ended up changing his name from Yusuf Ramatola to Hugh Randall because he's like, I'm not having none of that. Right. So it's interesting to look at. And when now my kids are throw some Japanese into the mix. So when they look, like I adopted them. It's really not fair. I've got scars. I'm like, this, this is really not fair. <laughs> but when I was moved from uh, Montreal to Toronto and I was looking for schools for them, I was looking for a school where they could find themselves, like, show me another Asian face, please. And I, I saw one, one Asian face in one school. And I thought, this is not going to feel like home. This is not, so we ended up, they went into French immersion, which drew from a much bigger geography. And there were a couple more Asian kids. I'm like, that's good. You just need, and my kids, my kids would say, yeah, we're the Asian persuasion. They had a little group of, (laughs) there were Korean and Chinese and Japanese, and a few, not many. I think there was only one or two black people in the school. Still, their middle school pulled from an area. It was so diverse. It was incredible. I loved it. But I remember not seeing myself growing up and you're you're absolutely bang on just underlining the point that you you feel like you belong when you see yourself and until that happens you so you've created somewhere where you feel innately
0: that belonging you've created a place for people to feel that belonging and honestly if you look around at different professional organizations like outside of organizing like engineering organizations, there's National Society of Black Engineers. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there. No, there's also a Society of Women Engineers.
1: Well, yeah, engineering right there. Did you see
0: a lot of women in a room in a lot of places? <laughs> I started my career at Nortel. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. There, even now, <laughs> even now, I think there's there's very few, even female engineers where I am. Then there's even less African-American. I, like you like hanging with the minority of the minority. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's everybody, I think that there's a certain energy that we get from other people. There's a certain encouragement, especially when it's a matter of, you know, often in times we have like similar experiences and finding out how other people handle it, how other people, you know, it's like, how did you like. For example, I'm pretty sure if I went to a NAPL meeting and I was in distress about like a client wanting to touch my hair or something, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they would feel, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's something. But they would feel it different than say Naima, you know, like there's a different level of understanding of what the root of that issue and how that made me feel
1: 100%. a little bit
0: different. So, it's, yeah. it's, and that's important. That's yeah. important.
1: I'm curious. There have been in particular, so I've been doing the podcast for a couple of years now. The first year there were specific DEI episodes. We were like, we're gonna have some DEI episodes and we're gonna talk about some stuff. Second year, I said, you know what? I'm embedding the diversity and inclusion in when I'm thinking about what I'm doing. I'm not having specific DEI episodes, but I'm thinking about the conversations that I want to have and I'm thinking about the people that I want to bring in. Are you sensing that? the focus on inclusivity and
0: diversity. Are you feeling there's a shift happening at all? Yes. And I don't want to say no, there is a shift. Definitely. For a while, I jokingly said, you know, we're in style right now. <laughs> we're in style. We better enjoy
1: this. While like, we're I, in style. I'm like, well yeah, heck yeah. I'm like, I'll tick some boxes. Right. I'm like, you want a you want a woman? Yeah, ticket. You want some BIPOC? I'm beige. Does that count? Do, am, I, am
0: I am I enough? It, it right? indeed
1: counts. <laughs> I've got an invisible illness. Let's go. I'm neurodivergent. Let's go. Like, I got boxes. If you want to tick boxes, I'm your girl. At the
0: same time, there's
1: such a Hire me because I'm good at what I do.
0: Right, exactly. And there's still also, I've noticed more recently, a certain level of pushback about it, which is, I guess you can say it's understandable. It's, you know, some people are, I'm tired of it, I don't want to talk about it and think about it.
1: (laughs) Well, there's a lot of fatigue about a lot of things right now Yeah, and to have to care. I mean, personal mission is wanting to expand inclusivity to include neurodiversity and temperament. And I'm sure most people are like, do not make me care about another thing. Like, another please thing. don't ask me to give <laughs> about anything else.
0: Yeah. And I, and I, one thing I do, I think that what you're doing is like, just instead of it, it be specific episodes, spread it throughout. Just let it be, mm. because I think but you have to be conscious. Yeah. It's like to do it consciously, but not necessarily like kind of trick them into <laughs> <laughs> Into, into <laughs> you didn't know you were being diversified
1: right now. You had no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. there it is. Because ultimately, regard even if it's even if it's a good cause, even if it's a good conversation, people don't necessarily want to be beat over the head with it. Especially if they're getting it in every location, yeah. everything.
1: Yeah, I think this is the evolution. It becomes part of what we're doing. I know I look at a roster of speakers now. I'm like, where's the women? Where's the color? Where's the disability? What are we showing here? I remember as a kid growing up, I loved the Benetton ads.
0: Oh Benetton,
1: yeah. right? Benetton was the only place where I was like, oh, they got somebody brown, they got somebody Chinese, they got some, they had inclusivity around color, at least, United in Colors or Colors or something, right? Yep,
0: United Colors of Benetton. Yep,
1: right? I remember that. That was so distinguishing that they were the only brand
0: doing it back in the eighties, nineties. Right, right and I and I like it when it's a large bit of diversity. Like, oftentimes, like if you see a TV show, there'll be one person that represents <laughs> something. It's like it, it, we always talk about, you got the token black guy, you got this and that. Blah, blah. I like it that it's not just black and white. It's not just you know one and another pairings and whatnot. Diversity is everything. It's everyone. Yeah.
1: I'm telling you, I think this is the first year I saw a mixed race couple in advertising.
0: Oh, I see the- that a lot. Yeah. now. I see it a lot now. Right. Well, no, no. One thing that I noticed is how they mix them. Like for a long time, it was always black males, either white or Asian females. They're starting to show black females with other more too, which was interesting because for a while I was like, you know, people, people mix in more ways than just this and that, Right. (laughs) you know, or even there's also Latinos and Asian mix, (laughs) everybody mixes. So in more recent years, I've seen that more. I'm glad to see it.
1: Me too. I'm curious, you know, if we have listeners out there that are thinking about this, Pipe up in social media, let us know, what are you noticing? What are you seeing in your community? What are you noticing in media? What are you noticing in NAPO in terms of our commitment? This has been my personal way of making sure in my own way that what we talk about is more inclusive. What are you seeing? What are you feeling? It's a really important conversation to keep going. Just coming back to NAPPO then, could you talk about, or and Ebony and Orderly, some of the benefits that have come out for, for clients or for the people that you're touching through this? What kind of benefits have come out of what you've created here for the communities that we
0: serve? Well, one thing that I, had, I found that's interesting is that once we started to grow, because for a long time, Napo was 10 members. <laughs> it was the six of us and then four others that kind of stragglers that hung on with us and whatnot. It was usually about about 10 people. And then in 2020, it seemed like we were getting like 10 members every week or something like that. We were, you know, people were joining. So it grew rapidly. And one of the things that I thought was the most beneficial was having the connection, having the resources in the sense of speaking to each other, even though we're spread all over the country. For the organizers for their benefit, as in connecting to other organizers. And we have several several that are NAPO members, but there are often other organizers that that are not NAPO members because they didn't necessarily connect if they tried to, you know, attend NAPO meetings or something like that. They didn't necessarily find that connection there. For whatever reason, some of that's personality. Some of that's, I'm an introvert. I'm okay with going someplace and no one talks to me. <laughs> that, that's perfectly fine. That's probably heaven for me, actually.
1: Well, the online opportunity has really helped introverts for sure.
0: Exactly. Oh my gosh, it's, it's wonderful. We've been, we've been training all our lives for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the other thing that was a benefit is that you combine that with, in general, people, the world becoming more aware that organizers exist, that they can hire organizers, find organizers, people oftentimes being forced into a position where they need to get more organized. And we often, considering how personal organizing is, I always tell people, I said, organizing is very personal. It's the most
1: intimate work, man. I'm going to be
0: in all of your stuff. (laughs) I'm in your junk. Yeah. I'm pulling (laughs) everything out. I'm looking at everything. If there's something you don't want me to see, let's put it someplace else, you know, things like that, because I'm going to find it. I find everything, money, old pictures, all kinds of things. So organizing is very personal. So you want to have someone that you're very comfortable with. And oftentimes the people that we naturally gravitate to are people that look like us. So what's been happening is that people, since more people of color have been thinking, I need to get an organizer. They've been looking for organizers that look like them. So in addition to finding each other and being able to create like a support network for each other, we've also created a, like a singular place, if you want to say that, where people that are looking for us specifically can find us. And that's, that's probably one of the, I always tell people, it's like, you know, if nothing else, set up your profile, <laughs> people, people are actually looking for you and they're, and they're finding you on this website. So set up your profile.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great invitation. Carolyn, what a rich conversation. I knew it would be interesting to explore that, you know, such a, such an organic evolution and with a focus of service. I mean, only good can come from
0: that. So, right, right. yeah. Thanks so much for joining me. One thing that I want to point out also is that we also recognize that poll didn't start out of a desire to be completely separate from others. <laughs> So we have a component called the allies. We have an allies group so that organizers that do not identify as BIPOC can join and still we have a few meetings, joint meetings together and talk about diversity, talk about and and it's access. I think that one of the most important things about understanding diversity is access and actually getting to know people on a real level
1: yeah so this is you're all welcome to explore napo is the, is the thing and it's interesting so i'm beige so i'm like is this for me i don't know and like if i saw bipoc there i'd be like okay that's for me but now i i see that it is for me as well but it, the language matters the color like it's very interesting to
0: try and shape something and yeah get all the messages out trying to reshape it from where we started because you know first Napo was like well we're all african-american let's make it But, you know, we actually want to have everyone (laughs) create a space for all people of color. And, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I love the focus on allies because in the Black Lives Matter moment, there was a lot of talk like, you know, don't ask your black friends to educate you. Right. But here's an invitation to be part of a group to understand and to learn. And this is an opportunity where you can further your learning and understanding you know, in conversation, ask questions. And this is a group of people who are saying, signing
0: up, I'm signing up for this. So, right. And yeah. hopefully meet someone in locally that you can actually, Hey, let's have lunch. Let's collaborate, collaborate. Exactly. Let's collaborate,
1: Let's collaborate because good things come when you collaborate. Right. That is for sure. Exactly. Carolyn, what a joy speaking with you. Thanks so much for joining me in conversation to bring awareness to Ebony and Orderly and the coming together of six Atlanta-based organizers and the evolution into NABPO, which is there for everyone who's interested in being an ally or putting your own profile up so that people looking for someone who looks like you can find you. Right.
0: Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, as a great, great pleasure. So for all our listeners out there, I hope that you gain some insights into how coming together can really do some wonderful things, not only for the community that you're trying to serve, but for each other as well. Definitely, as always, continue to be safe, be kind, and enjoy your journey.
0: That's all for today's episode of Standout, brought to you by NAPO the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.